Uh, well, today we conclude uh, our study on the book of Nehemiah, which has been titled Built. Uh, Build is actually the theme for our church here uh, in the Lifeway Church, both in St. Gabriel and in Glendale, for the entire year of uh, 2016. And so we wanted to start off the year by studying out the book of Nehemiah. And today is the eighth and last class uh, in that series that we've been able to study together. And hopefully, uh, as I have, you have grown throughout the study. Hopefully, you've learned uh, many things about yourself and about God's Word and about God's dreams in our lives. And that you are becoming a dreamer. Uh, Perhaps you were already a dreamer, and so you're just encouraged in your dreams. Perhaps you're just learning about dreaming again, and, or, or dreaming for the very first time. Or maybe for some of us, it's about rekindling a dream. It's a dream that maybe we once had, but had lost. A dream that uh, was evident in our lives at one time, but then it wasn't there anymore. And it's a great opportunity for us to start thinking about dreaming again, about believing again, about having visions for our lives, of, of understanding that God does work in our lives at specific moments, specific times, for specific reasons, and that He has a plan, a purpose for every single one of us here this morning. Amen? And so today we conclude the study on the book of Nehemiah, a book in the Old Testament. It was the last uh, uh, historical book in the Old Testament. It was written uh, almost about 400 years before uh, Jesus comes into the scene. Uh, And really it's after much history in the life of Israel, and after all the kings, and after all the great Victories. It was really a time of overcoming spiritual defeat and dreaming again and preparing for Jesus. Preparing for God's dream to come to this earth so that all of us could have an opportunity for eternal life. Amen? So Nehemiah, it's important to understand, was not an Old Testament patriarch, nor a judge, nor a king, or a prophet. He was simply an everyday Israelite, a normal person. A normal individual, just like you and myself, who happened to be, happened to be, in the right place and the right time to make God's dream a reality. Of course, we, we know that God birthing of dreams is no coincidence, is no happenstance, but rather it's Him working His plan through each one of us. And so as a cupbearer to the Persian king Artaxerxes, Uh, A dream is born in Nehemiah about 446 B.C. to return and rebuild Jerusalem's walls, which were in ruins and had been in ruins for over 140 years. The temple had already been rebuilt about 70 years prior. And so Nehemiah receives this dream from God. He ponders it and he plans uh, and he thinks about this dream for four months before getting the courage to... Go and speak to the king about it. And he's praying to God that God would give him the opportunity, the moment, the instance for him to be able to explain this dream. And so he gets the opportunity, he expresses the dream to go back and rebuild the walls in Jerusalem to the king. And the king gives him permission. Not only does he give him permission, but he gives him authority to do it. Not only does he give him authority to do it, he gives him all the resources to do it. And he goes back and he begins to build. And so we see a great beginning of that dream. But then also we see obstacles. We see difficulties. We see obstacles and persecution from the outside. We see turmoil in the inside. We see the struggle to make that dream a reality. 
And without any overt miracle, without any parting of the Red Sea, without any uh, uh, falls falling down miraculously, the wall is rebuilt in 52 days in spite of all the opposition. And all the people around glorified God and understood that this was because of God that this had happened. And a great spiritual revival was birthed. It wasn't only about rebuilding the wall, but God really wanted to revive the hearts of His people. And that's what happens. And that's what we see. And so today, we're going to end with uh, this study of the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to read together here, uh, beginning in in chapter 12 and verse 27 through verse uh, 43. So if you have your Bibles, you could... uh, uh, Read along with us. If you want to read along with the screen up here, if you have your phone or your electronic device, you can read uh, with us. But this is Nehemiah chapter 12. The wall has been rebuilt. There's been a great spiritual revival. People have stood up listening to God's word for hours. There's an excitement about being God's people and restoring uh, spirituality in God's people and God's family. And we read this here in Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 27. It says, at the dedication of the wall, so there's a moment to dedicate the wall to God of Jerusalem. The Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the uh, Netophathites, from Bath Gilgal, and from the era of Geba and Asmaveth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right. Hoshniah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Sekur, the son of Asaph. Awesome names, right? And his associates, Shemaiah, Azrael, Milalai, Gilalai, Maiai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on ascent to the wall and passed above the side of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall. So Ezra was on one side and Nehemiah was on the other side. And both were proceeding on the top of the wall, singing songs and, and praising God and playing musical instruments. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, uh, the, uh, the Jeshana gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of, of the hundred. As far as the sheep gate, at the gate of the guard they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I. Together with half the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Masai, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elioni, Zechariah, Hananiah with the trumpets, and also Maaseiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehoahan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezriah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing 
because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And so we see a great celebration at the dedication of the wall. A great understanding and revival in God's people. And we see now the title for our lesson today is Living the Dream. Living the Dream. See, now we see God's people after the wall is rebuilt, after this dream that began in the heart of this cupbearer, in the heart of this individual, this, this Israelite who was neither king nor prophet nor patriarch nor judge, who caught, uh, caught on to that dream, captured that dream, declared it to one of the most powerful and feared kings in all of history, King Artaxerxes, and gets the backing of the Persian government and goes out and he builds this wall, rebuilds this wall. And that incites an incredible spiritual revival. And now the people are living God's dream. Are you living God's dream this morning? You know, uh, one of the most popular shows today is The Walking Dead. Uh, and it's about uh, really a group of people that uh, are destined uh, for suffering. And perhaps for a lot of us, instead of living the dream, we are like the walking dead. We are people that are just shells without any dreams, without any vision, just living day to day, just living and fulfilling our responsibilities and making sure we make it, make it from day to day and make it from week to week and make it from month to month and just, just live on and just survive. And, and surely that's a good thing to survive, isn't it? It's a good thing. But that's not what God plans for us. God wants more for us. God's what wants more than just sheer survival. God wants us to live a life of dreams, a life of vision, a life of impact, a life of purpose, a life of meaning. And that's what God offers us. But are you living the dream today? Are you living the dream? You know, it is God's dream to give it. But it's up to us to rely on Him and live it. God gives us a dream. And, and you can say, well, you know, God hasn't given me a dream. Maybe He gave Nehemiah a dream. Maybe He gave other peoples in the Bible a dream, like Abraham and, and Moses and, and David and, and Peter and Paul. But... You know, he hasn't given me a dream. If you haven't heard God's dream for your life, perhaps you're not listening closely enough. Because the Bible says that God has set every person in the book of Acts at the exact moment and the exact time where they should live. And determine your boundaries. Determine where you're from. It's not an accident that you're, que eres del Salvador, o que eres de Guatemala, o que eres de Sudamérica, o que eres de México. Or that you're from China, or Indonesia, or Africa, or Europe, or North America. It's not an accident. God determines the places that we all should live so that we all should, could seek Him and find Him. And the Bible says, even though He is not far away from each one of us, God's dreams are close by, are right there. And if you haven't heard God's dream, maybe it's because you're not paying attention. Maybe it's because you're too distracted to pay attention. Or maybe you've heard God's dream, but have not grabbed onto it. Have not decided to live it. 
have not prayed for God to make it a reality in your life and taken the steps to let it be. Or perhaps you did. You caught on to the dream. You had it. You were fired up. You were living the dream. But then the the nightmare came back. The nightmare knocked on the door. And we are perhaps discouraged, tired, afraid, doubtful. And the nightmare came back. And we're no longer living the dream. And so we see this chapter, and it's really an incredible celebration. And we see what living the dream is all about. And really in three terms, three words that we're going to talk about this morning. It's dedication, consecration, and celebration. That's what you see in that short passage. That's what it means to live the dream. It's to live a life of dedication, to live a life of consecration, and to live a life of celebration. And we're going to talk about those things this morning. Amen? Dedication. What does it mean to dedicate something? What does it mean to dedicate something? You know, I... uh, I was born in Mexico. I came here when I was about five years old. But I definitely grew up with Mexican culture in my family. Uh, My favorite singer to this day is Vicente Fernandez. Uh, There's no one better. I don't care what you say. You can say whatever you want to say. There's no one better than Vicente Fernandez. Chente is the best. Number one. Hands down. All right? Uh, don't, Don't, you know, don't talk to me about Justin Bieber. Don't talk to me about, you know, uh... Anybody else, all right, Pavarotti, you know, Chente is number one. But, you know, one of the traditions in, uh, in Mexican, especially Mexican culture, is the, is the tradition of, of the serenata or the serenade. And it's when, when someone dedicated a song to, to uh, a woman that he loved. And usually if he wasn't a good singer, he just invited a mariachi. And, and you know, he would pay for the mariachi and then they would come under the window and then there you go, sing. And they would stand there, you know, and somebody actually sang. And, you know, everything they're saying is what I'm saying to you, even though I can't sing. But once in a while, there were some pretty good singers that sang it. And so here's an example of that. So not one, not two, but three. Now you know where novelas come from. I mean, it's, it's in the song, it's in the music. And, uh, you, know, you know, Pedro Infante is pretty close to Chenta, I want to say. Those are probably up, they're, they're up there. So, but what does it mean uh, when we talk about dedication? It talks about to solemnly give over to, to attribute to, and to glorify God with. 
And so what happened on that day when the wall was built, what they did in dedication, they solemnly gave over the wall. It wasn't their wall, it was God's wall. It wasn't their building, it was God's building. They weren't their own people, they were God's people. And so they dedicated the wall to God. It also means to attribute. When they saw the wall, they didn't see all their hard work, all their effort, all their struggle. As, as hard as it was, it was real. The struggle was real. They lived it. They had dirty hands. They had days and nights of work and lack of sleep. And everybody contributed, wives, husbands, children, everybody. They took turns. People had to carry guns and work at the same time. Well, there were no guns, but, you know, weapons. The struggle was real, but yet they attributed the wall to God. Say, God did this. God made this be. God made this happen. And so that's what it means by dedication. And dedication means that you glorify God with it. Let me ask you this morning, have you dedicated your life to God? Are you dedicating your life to God? Are you giving it over to God? Are you attributing it to Him? Are you glorifying God with it? Every day, are you giving your days to God? Are you saying, hey God, this day is yours. This day is because of you. And this day is to glorify you. Are you giving your family over to God? And say, hey, my family, my family, God, is yours. It's not mine, it's yours. I give it to you. And it's because of you that I have it. And it is to glorify God that we live in this household. Have you given your heart and dedicated your heart to God? And you say, God, this heart, 100% is yours. It's fully yours. Everything is yours. And it's because of you that I have it. And it is for you and for your glory that I live. You know, living the dream is about dedication. It's about dedication. And we live in a day when everybody wants to take credit for everything. Where everyone wants to say, I did it. Where everyone says, I was there. Everyone wants to take a picture and a selfie of how, you know, it was me. It was me. I came up with it. Copyright it. Hashtag it. But yet, do we hand our lives over to God? Do we give our lives over to God? To give over, to attribute, to glorify. That's what living the dream is all about when we talk about dedication. And that's what happens here at the end of the book of Nehemiah. You know, there's a scripture, uh, and I love it in this version, English Standard Version, and whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, what does that include? Whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. Everything you do, you do it because of God, for God and to glorify God. And this scripture in Romans 12 verse one, this is the uh, the uh, uh, the good word translation. It says, brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion. I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. Dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. That's what it's all about. I want to live that way. I want to live a life that's dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. And that's the difference, really, of living a life where we're just living 
where we're living or we're living the dream, God's dream for our lives. Amen. The second thing that he mentions here um, in, a, in, in, a, uh, in, in uh, Nehemiah in chapter uh, 12 talks about consecration. It says not only was there dedication, but it was also consecration. It says that the priests went around, they purified themselves, and they purified the people, and then they purified the walls. You know, another word for this is sanctification. It's to be set apart for a godly purpose. In other words, you have something that was made for whatever purpose, and you say, hey, now from now on, this is going to be dedicated to a godly purpose. It's going to be purified, made pure, made holy for a good purpose, for a God purpose. You know, the Bible does say that it's God's will that we all be sanctified, that we all be set apart, that we all be different. And let me ask you the difference. If you're living the dream, you're going to be different. As a matter of fact, if you're living the dream, you're going to be weird. You're going to be strange. People are going to say, man, that person is weird. That person is strange. No one is that happy. No one is that dedicated. No one is that religious. No way. But you know, if you are living a sanctified, a holy life, you're going to be different. It's going to be obvious. There's going to be no question about it. No question. You know, in my family, whenever there are difficult times, they, they call me. And I tell you why they call me. It's not because, oh, well, he's a minister. They actually don't even understand. They don't even know, like, what does that mean? Because they think, oh, you know, he's really serious about what he's doing. So if he's serious about it, then God must listen to his prayers. I think that's their logic. He's serious about it. Now, normally they look at me like, well, he's like way too committed, way too intense. But when they really think about life, they think, well, he's really serious. So God listens to him. Let's ask him to pray. It should be obvious that we are different, that we're sanctified. And you know what? Living a holy life, a a set-apart life, no one said it was going to be easy. No one said that. And maybe at one point you heard God's dream, you heard God's call, and you said, I'm going to live it. And then you started living it, and then it got hard. It got difficult. It got challenging. You know, being set apart, by its very nature, it's hard. By its very nature, it's difficult. It's tough. You know, Vince Scully, I don't know if you guys know Vince Scully. He's the announcer for the Dodgers. He's going to be retiring this year. And he is the master storyteller. Have you heard his stories? And he is amazing. It's almost like he times the story. You know, you see kind of the batters up and... And he's talking about the batter and there is the, the statistics of whoever's going to be playing. And, and then he starts this story about that person. And kind of in between the strikes, you know, strike one, strike two, there's kind of a story. And then he, he goes back and forth. But it, it always ends like at right at the perfect moment. Well, there's one example just a couple of days ago. And uh, it's, it's when the Dodgers face the Giants. And uh, the pitcher was uh, Baumgartner. And so uh, Vince Coley shares a story. And this is a story that he shares. He says, you know, they basically were, uh, uh, Baumgarten and his wife were out in Arizona herding cattle. And he says, this, uh, this may be the best boon-like tale about the man they call Mad Bum. 
One day during spring training this year in Scottsdale, Bumgarner and his wife were roping cattle when Madison was startled by a large snake he figured was a rattler. He quickly grabbed an axe and hacked it to pieces. When Allie, an expert field dresser, examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside, pieces of it, and extracted them. A short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Allie brought the rabbit back to their apartment for the next few days, kept it warm, and bottle-nursed it. The rabbit soon was healthy enough for them to release into the wild. Think about how tough the rabbit was, Bumgarner says. First it gets eaten by a snake. Then the snake gets chopped to pieces. Then it gets picked up by people and it lives. It's all true. And this is what Vince Scully says. So I guess really the moral to the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive. You've got to somehow battle back. A lesson well taught for all of us. Line drive to center field, base hit. I mean, it was amazing. He just kind of told, tells his story effortlessly, right? But you think about that jackrabbit. You think about our lives. No one said it was going to be easy. No one said it was going to be a cakewalk. And, you know, part of living the dream means living a separated life that is tough. It's difficult, but it's good. It's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be that way. The Bible says, Peter says, hey, don't, don't find it. You know, don't be surprised by the trials that you're facing as if something strange were happening to you. And I love how Peter says it because we're like that sometimes, aren't we? Like, I can't believe I'm going through this. And I love, you know, the brother from the Indonesian church. You know, we got less money, but it was really, you know, a blessing from God. And then this happened, you know, we couldn't rent places, and it was a blessing from God. Isn't that the way it is always? You know, something happens and we whine. And later on, we're like, oh, I'm glad that happened. Thank you, God, for your providence. Right? But living the dream means living a separated, a consecrated life. You know, and the last thing is celebration. Well, here's a a scripture we could all think about. In uh, 1 Timothy 2.20-21, it says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I really believe God has special purposes for every single one of our lives. You know, what a great celebration. It says, and on that day they offered great sacrifices. I mean, they're singing. They're on top of the wall, going back and forth. I don't know how wide the wall is. You know, I think it's pretty wide. So that's a good thing, right? Rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The woman and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. You know, there's a big difference between sadness and happiness. There's a big difference between light and dark. And you know, when I always think about people's lives being changed, when I see people decide to follow Jesus, decide to die to their old life and say, I'm not going to live that way anymore and I'm going to live for Jesus. And then I see their conversion and I see them coming out of the waters of baptism 
every person that I see that happen to, I see they're full of joy. They're full of great joy. But a lot of times we see not just them filled with joy. We see their family filled with joy. We see their kids filled with joy. And we hear stories. We hear stories even in the sharing. Sometimes from the kids. You say, you know, I'm so happy that mom is making this decision today. Because she's been really sad. You know, I'm really glad that my dad is making this decision today. Because I think that our life at home is going to change. And we're going to be happy. We're going to be happy. Are you living a sad life? Or are you living a happy life? I said, wait, Raphael, I don't understand. You just said that we're going to suffer. Yeah. That's part of life. But you can live a sad life. Or you can live a joyful life. And that's what it talks about when he talks about living the dream. Is living a life of purpose, of vision, of dreams, of joy, of excitement. Yeah, of challenges, but of joy. I challenge you this morning to take a step. To take a step to live the dream. And I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe you're like, hey... Raphael, you're preaching to the choir. I'm living the dream. This is awesome. I'm just surfing the wave. I'm just living it. This is great. Amen. Hopefully, you know, this just encourages you on. Or maybe saying, you know, Raphael, you know, I'm here. I'm just learning. I want to live the dream. I want to know what it's all about. Or maybe you had started to leave the dream and you're losing it. I'm asking you to hold on, to be tough, to be tougher than a jackrabbit, to not let go to the most important thing that one you and I can have. It's God's dream living in our lives. May God bless us as we decide to give and live God's dream together. Amen. Amen. Have a great rest of the Sunday. All right, let's stand and let's uh, conclude with this.